Approach pain relief from the ground up with Curex. Curex makes highly customizable over-the-counter insoles thanks to their dynamic arch technology, which provides different support for different arch types. They were developed by German scientists for the specific foot movements of various activities delivering the right support and cushion where it's needed the most. Curex makes the largest selection of activity-specific insoles for running, hiking, golfing, biking, soccer, tennis, or solely for walking and everyday wear. That's the Curex difference, and it can make a difference for your patients. For a free sample, email curexinside at curex.us. That's C-U-R-R-E-X inside at curex.us. Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. At the end of February 2021, the Dutch COMPARE trial landed in the BMJ and the trial added much-needed weight to the nuanced discussion about what is the best treatment for ACL injury. Is it an early reconstruction or is it exercise therapy first with the option for a late ACL reconstruction if it's needed? Leading clinician researcher Dr. Hege Grindem from the Norwegian School of Sport Sciences joins me today. She'll dissect the key results of the COMPARE trial, explain what you need to know to help athletes make informed decisions about managing their ACL injury, and she'll also share her views on who succeeds without ACL reconstruction. Hager, welcome and thanks for joining us on JOSPT Insights. Thank you, Claire. It's really great to be here and thank you for the invitation. We are here chatting today because there was a really important trial published in the BMJ in February this year. It was called the COMPARE trial and the trial looks at the best way to manage ACL injuries. Can I get you to start by setting the scene on where we're at with research on how best to treat ACL injuries? Maybe let's start by by letting the listeners in on, on what we're talking about when we're talking about treatment. So for most people with an ACL injury, you will uh, receive uh, some sort uh, of combination of exercise therapy with or without surgery. And then, of course, you know, within those treatment boxes or categories, you have a lot of different options. So we have different types of, of exercise therapy. We have different types of surgery. And you can combine those in, in different ways. But if you then take, you know, 15 steps back from that, we can talk about different uh, management strategies or treatment strategies, which is what the uh, COMPARE trial is about. Within that area, we do have one major uh, sort of a landmark study. That was the Canoon trial, which was published uh, in uh, 2010. From, uh, from Sweden, where and that was a randomized study where they looked at differences in outcomes in patients who were either randomized to early ACL reconstruction, followed by postoperative exercise therapy, or they were randomized to exercise therapy first with the option of having an ACL reconstruction if they developed instability. And then that was uh, also followed by post-op exercise therapy again. 
so the main main outcome from that study was two year uh, self reported uh, knee function, and the the highlight from that study was that these two groups had comparable outcomes, and uh, I think the number was thirty seven percent of those who were randomized to exercise therapy first, they went on to have an ACL reconstruction at two years and the rest remained non-surgically treated. So the message that came out from that study was then that a bit over half of patients can avoid to have an ACL reconstruction if they start off with exercise therapy and they will still have comparable results as those who have early ACL reconstruction. If we've got this trial, Why is there still so much debate and discussion about how best to treat ACL injuries? Well, that's a good question. But I mean, uh, one first of all, one randomized trial is is not really a lot. I will say that it is the highest quality evidence we have in terms of management strategies. So uh, if you take that study and you look at uh, the other available literature that's, that's there, because there are a lot of studies that have documented outcomes from practice as it's, it's practiced, then yes, we have low quality evidence. We don't have you know, 10 randomized trials here. But the only thing that we know for sure is that those who have early surgery, they will uh, be more likely to have more passive stability in their knees. So they, they're more likely to have a negative Lachman test than if you don't have surgery. But the other outcomes that they're looking at, uh, it's not really clear that there will be a difference. And so does that also include ret- things like return to sport? Things like uh, return to sport and you know self-reported function, quality of life, osteoarthritis, functional outcomes, you know, performance tests, muscle strength tests, uh, etc. The evidence is not really high quality in, in that field, which is why we, we do need more studies. And that's a perfect launching pad into the COMPARE trial. So let's talk about the trial. Can you give us a pricey of the trial, what they did, who they included, and what they measured? And then we'll get into the results. It's a, it's a pragmatic trial, meaning that they're looking at these different treatment strategies in a real-life setting in the Dutch healthcare system. So they're not controlling what types of uh, surgery you're having or what type of rehabilitation you're having, but they're looking at these different management strategies. We have uh, 167, I think, patients who were then randomized to either, either having an early routine ACL reconstruction, and they were then referred to a physical therapist. Uh, And the other group, they were referred to a physical therapist for supervised uh, rehabilitation for at least three months and then had the option of having an ACL reconstruction if they developed instability. And when we talk about early ACL reconstruction, what does that mean? How, How long since injury? So these patients, they were um, included into the study. They had to be no less than two months from their injury. And at that point, they were randomized. And then early surgery was within six weeks from that point. So that would mean that uh, everyone who had early surgery would have their surgery performed before three and a half months from their injury. 
And the criteria for the late ACL reconstruction, Hege, what were they? People could opt for a, uh, an, an ACL reconstruction if they still had instability or if their desired activity level was not reached and they had had at least three months of rehabilitation. Now, let's talk a little bit about the patient population. Can you give us a, a picture of who the typical patient was that was included in the COMPARE trial? Yeah, so these uh, patients were recruited from uh, six different hospitals uh, across the Netherlands, and they had to be between 18 and 65 years old. They also uh, excluded people who had a bucket handle meniscus tear with an extension deficit. Hege, the main conclusion of the COMPARE trial was that patients who had an early ACL reconstruction had better knee symptoms and function measured with the IKDC subjective knee score at two years after their surgery compared to people who started with rehabilitation and then had the option for a late ACL reconstruction. But the authors say, and I'm quoting here, the finding was significant, but the clinical importance is unclear. How do you interpret these results? Right. So the, the IKDC form, that's a form that goes from a zero to, to 100 to measure uh, different aspects of knee symptoms and function. And that two years, they did detect uh, a difference that was uh, statistically significant in favor of the early ACL reconstruction group. That difference was um, five points between uh, between those groups. and. A five-point difference uh, on that form is uh, lower than any acknowledged estimation of what we think of as a meaningful difference. So that's the uh, reason for why the authors say that the clinical importance is unclear. And then there's the fact that Many of the people who were in the exercise first group, they did have surgery in the second year. Many of those people would still be in a recovery phase after their ACL reconstruction. So it's likely that if you had done a follow-up even six months later, then the groups would have more comparable scores on the IKDC form. Overall in this trial, the people who started with rehabilitation or exercise therapy first and then option for later surgery, it was 50-50 who ended up having a late surgery and who chose not to have surgery at all. One of the main things I think about this trial is that I hope that it, it helps us move on in, in the focus on comparing surgery and not surgery to uh, looking more at how can we combine exercise therapy and surgery for the best outcome for the patient and how can we identify those who actually need surgery early on. Can you share a little bit of the research that you've been involved in and also help us understand how you approach this challenging clinical question? Absolutely. And um, we do have uh, some evidence on this. We, um, In one of our papers, we did find that women, those who are older in age, so for this group, think 25 plus, and those who have uh, good early knee function uh, we're also more likely to succeed with exercise alone and without an ACL reconstruction. 
And then there are uh, some other studies that implicate factors like the lower activity level, uh, not having a uh, meniscal injury, and also having a more pyramid-shaped femoral notch, so anatomical factors as well. And these are all factors that need more confirmation in more research. So we're not there yet that we can say definitely that you will do well and you will do poorly. We know that not all patients need an ACL reconstruction, uh, but we do have this patient group where some will become stable with exercise alone and others will uh, develop instability. When you talk about prognosis, Hager, what do you mean? Are you talking about quality of life or are you talking about returning to sport? What kind of, when you say good outcome and prognosis, what do you mean? Different studies are looking at different things. In many studies, we are looking at who will develop instability and then need an ACL reconstruction. And then other studies are, are, are also looking at their self-reported knee function. Hager, you've got over a decade of research experience in this field, contributing to the Oslo-Delaware cohort study. And you also work every week in the clinic as a specialist knee ACL clinician. How do you approach this clinical challenge of trying to help people make good decisions about treating their ACL injuries? What sorts of suggestions would you give to folks who are listening? Well, the way that we approach this in in the clinic is that early after injury, we start rehabilitation to resolve all initial impairments, so range of motion, effusion, get a quiet knee. And then after that, we start a progressive rehabilitation program with heavy resistance strength training and neuromuscular training. And uh, the patients do that for at least one month and in most cases, uh, cases uh, more than one month, so maybe three or maybe four months. And we follow that up with objective testing to assess progress. And during this time, patient receives information about their uh, different treatment options. So what is surgery? What is the rehab? What is the expected outcome if you choose this and if you choose that? We have published up to two-year outcomes with this treatment algorithm now, and the five-year outcomes are coming uh, soon as well. And in short, uh, we see that these patients have uh, really good outcomes in, in comparison to much of the other research in the ACL world. Uh, and we also see that there are really no meaningful differences between these different patient groups. So between those who uh, make an initial decision for ACL reconstruction and those who uh, make an initial decision for exercise and they remain non-surgically treated. And then the final group, those who make an initial decision for exercise therapy and then uh, move on to have an ACL reconstruction. Let's talk about return to sport because I think this is one of the things that our, particularly our athlete patients really care about. And I'm sure that clinicians listening are going to be thinking carefully about return to sport and the advice recommendations that they have for patients. What do we know about return to sport rates in the COMPARE trial? At two years, they had uh, in the group with early ACL reconstruction, 43% of the patients went back to their previous activity level. And in those who started out with exercise, uh, there were 31%. So both numbers are 
pretty low. And uh, those who start out with exercise had also a slightly lower number than those who had early reconstruction. That difference was not statistically significant. Some of them had uh, an ACL reconstruction in the second year, and they weren't uh, really done with their rehab and therefore might uh, return to sport after that again. One of the, the good things to do to really figure out if something is, is uh, meaningful is to look at the numbers needed to treat when we have uh, these types of outcomes. I looked into that specifically for that difference. And the difference of that size, it would mean that over eight people would have to have routine early ACL reconstruction for one extra person to return to sport. We also know that of those eight people, if they were treated with, with ACL reconstruction first, then four of them would not have needed the surgery. And these are the, the types of things that are good to bring up in the discussion with, uh, with the patient. Hege, one of the main concerns that I think many clinicians hold when trying to help patients make decisions about the best treatment for an ACL injury is about the meniscus. Particularly, I think people are concerned that if patients go back to high-level pivoting and cutting sports without the extra stability afforded by reconstructing the ACL, that they're ultimately setting this person's knee up for failure and, and instability and new meniscus tears. What do we know about new meniscus injuries or other knee injuries generally from the COMPARE trial and, and perhaps from other recent research in the field? Yeah, so, and this is a really important concern because absolutely that's, uh, that is a risk, right? To go back to sport and then have a new injury. And there's a lot of focus on, on getting a new meniscal injury for those who don't have an ACL reconstruction. But we also see, and uh, that's uh, also noted in the COMPARE trial, that people who do have an early ACL reconstruction, they also get uh, new meniscal injuries. So this is a risk that is there for, for both groups. And absolutely, I think the most important thing is that if you do have knee instability, then definitely you should not accept that and continue doing activities uh, that provoke that risk of giving way and then being a meniscal tear. We also have a lot of studies really that look at and document the risk of meniscal injuries after ACL injury and after ACL surgery. And we were both co-authors on a review that was led by Dr. Gudi Eakos and published a few years back where we looked at all studies really in the ACL world, uh, almost, that reported the number of meniscal injuries. And the main finding from going over all of those studies, um, 75 different studies, was that the risk of getting a meniscal injury can be anything from 0 to 52%, depending on the paper that you look at. So there's this big, big variation in the number that's reported for different groups and uh, you know, different ages and people who have had different treatments. So I think the message here is that the we really, unfortunately, it's another one of those cases where there needs to be a whole lot more good 
rigorous, well-designed research to answer that clinical question. And unfortunately, and I hate saying this to folks listening, this is a situation where the research field is not necessarily set up to address the question that you have in the clinic, which is, you know, what's the likelihood of getting another meniscus injury after having treatment for an ACL injury? The other important thing here as well, we've been talking about the COMPARE trial and also the Canoon trial and to highlight that uh, in those studies, uh, they only included people who were 18 years and up. In the clinic, we see a lot of people who are anything from 13 to 17 they're young and they're eager to go back and play their pivoting sports. Those uh, people have not been included in these two trials on management strategies for ACL injury. Thanks, Hager. I think that's a really important point to make, particularly given that the research suggests that younger athletes are often more likely to go back to higher knee demand sports, cutting and pivoting sports. And so their exposure is higher, which then translates to what looks like greater risk for injury and it's really all coming back to the exposure to to the sport or to the risky um, environment. Absolutely. Now let's finish coming back to the COMPARE trial. Let's come back full circle again. The COMPARE trial group also published their cost-effectiveness analysis in BJSM in the last few weeks and the headline for that cost-effectiveness analysis is that ACL reconstruction for everyone, is not cost-effective after an acute ACL rupture. Do you think that this trial is a game-changer? In many ways, it is. And it is because that exact conclusion is also the same conclusion that came out of the cost-effectiveness analysis from the Canoon trial. So these two are backing each other up. The big thing here about the cost-effectiveness analysis is for the policy makers and those who are the third-party payers for these treatments. So it is very likely that the healthcare authorities or the you know insurance uh, people who fund the early surgeries might pick up on this and then do something in terms of funding. What I really hope is that if that if that happens, then there needs to be another system in place so that you you don't just uh, take away the opportunity to have an early ACL reconstruction. Because clearly, we when we start out with exercise first, there are still people who will need an ACL reconstruction. Yeah, and I think that, again, is a really important point. And given that we know that there are going to be a group of patients for whom an ACL reconstruction is the best treatment option. Hege, what would be your tips for folks in the clinic who are trying to keep track of patients and make sure that you identify as early as possible before there's been a lot of chance for things to go wrong? The first thing is that the rehabilitation that we do is progressive and is intensive enough so that we detect if there are any in any instability problems during rehabilitation so that we can you know detect those early and then factor that into the decision to have surgery or not the second part here really goes back to the patient information and the education that people with an ACL injury really Uh, are aware of and that they know that if they experience uh, knee instability, that's not a good thing and you shouldn't keep, you know, going, keep on playing soccer or 
football or a basketball with a knee that is fairly unstable. So then if you do develop that, then you need to, you know, come back and then you have two choices. So one would be to have the ACL stabilized with surgery and the other would be to stop doing that activity. Great clinical tips and a great place for us to finish our podcast. Hager, thanks so much for joining me on JOSPT Insights. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights. For more discussion of the issues in musculoskeletal rehabilitation that are relevant to your practice, subscribe to JOSPT Insights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, or your favourite podcast app. If you like JOSPT Insights, help others find us. Tell your friends and colleagues and rate and review us. To keep up to date with all the latest JOSPT content, be sure to follow us on Twitter, we're at JOSPT, and Facebook, we're JOSPT Official. Talk with you next time.